0: It's Carcon Carny. Let's eat in the car. It's Carcon Carny, and now here's the star of our show, James Van Alstal. And welcome to Carcon Carny. I'm James Van Alstal, and a quick point i want to bring up before we start tonight's interview this episode's interview this is self-aggrandizement i realize that but it it bears repeating carcon carne is nominated for best music podcast and i'm nominated for best podcast host in the chicago readers best of chicago 2020 poll i would appreciate your vote i these things are so weird i always feel so guilty asking for people's support on these Mm -hmm. things (laughs) it's just you know because all these things are all these vote mechanisms are, are, are they're just designed to generate page views for the the host so and i always feel guilty like come on friends and strangers participate in this thing but I, i'd <laughs> love your support so chicago reader uh, best of chicago 2020 best podcast host best podcast best music podcast I would appreciate your help my guest tonight oh man is she funny she's a wonderful person erica nicole clark she is part of the laugh more virtual comedy series uh, it's a monthly thing this coming weekend it is happening on the 23rd it is hosted by previous carcon carne guest calvin evans also a very funny human being uh it's erica nicole clark joey villagomez Dario Durham, and jim flanagan flanagan erica thanks for joining us thank you and, and lovely to see you no problem. Thank you. Now, comedy is, comedy is kind of the side hustle. You're a teacher by day. Um, yes. Sir. What a weird time to be a teacher right now. I, I, yes. I, are you Are you doing everything remotely or are you actually in, in a classroom?
1: Oh, we are 100% remote. Um, and like I said, I've been switched with kindergarten. So as uh, anybody knows, even if you're not a teacher, you know, kindergarten is a lot more of like life skills teaching than it is sure. actual like, you know, so it's very strange to try to teach kids how to like wait their turn, things like that via Zoom. Because, <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to tell kids to be quiet via Zoom, right. it's hard to, um yeah, it's hard to, like, not have kids shout answers. Yeah, it's like a, a lot of things that you normally do in a classroom you cannot do. And they've never been in a
0: classroom before. Right. So, and that, now they're doing it on Zoom. So, I My daughter just started her freshman year of high school, and I, I, I'll see her on her Zoom classes. All the kids have their cameras off, which has to be really fucking weird for the teachers. Like, just to yeah. look at... <laughs> A bunch of just hope that hope that people are there and paying attention, and it's just these kids. I mean, she just started as a freshman. They're sent into breakout rooms, like with they've never met any of these people, (laughs) and they have to like problem solve together. It is work together on something. But and I'm trying to be glass half full as I'm talking to her. I'm like, you know, maybe this is an easy way to start high school. Maybe. You right. kind of get to know people this way without all the hassle of trying to figure out where you're going. This kind of gives you right. a leg up for when you get to get back in the building. Mm-hmm. I say that trying to be glass half full knowing, okay, it's still really weird and awkward. It and-
1: is. It is because it's like, especially with like me with the kindergarten, like they eat like on, on Zoom. Sometimes they won't get out of the bed, so they're just laying there and you just see them like with a blanket over their head. It's like... <laughs> Sometimes parents are in the background like right um, having full conversations or working or you know it's like
0: it's weird yeah. And it's, as a comedian, as someone who's used to plying her trade in front of a crowd and the, the give yes. and take of an audience, I mean this is just upside down.
1: Yes. Um, yeah. Because, like I said, I, I'm used to like little asshole fourth graders who like talk back and they are assholes at that age. They totally are. <laughs> yes. But you can have some fun with them, or you know, like I I will explain a concept to my students, and if I can't, like if they don't get it, you know, I can show them a YouTube video, you know, stuff like that. Like. You can't do that now. Yeah, like you said, a lot of kids—not with my class, but I've heard other teachers say like kids have no cameras on, no mics. You kind of just—you ask a question. Some kids don't answer it, like the older kids, you know, stuff like that. Like, I couldn't deal with that. Like, but um, I have the opposite problem. They won't shut up. But like, um, and uh, they're obsessed with clearly, they're obsessed with. Zoom, like the camera functions, you know. So they'll constantly be muting themselves, unmuting, camera, writing in the chat, sharing a screen, like. But yeah, so, but I prefer. I would love to be in a classroom again, but I do like staying at home.
0: (laughs) It does. My dog has never had a a better time in her life. This is this is her (laughs) moment right i mean she she truly has never been alone for the past nine ten months she's never right. i know i i i I'm, I'm scared to think of that time when we're able to go back into the general population like i, I i'll need to sedate her
1: i know
0: she'll be beside herself <laughs> when we, re, when we Wait, reintegrate Reassimilate into <laughs> the general. We're all going to be awkward, right? Like when we come out of this, right? Like, <laughs> no one's going to know how to behave around other human beings socially right? and up close anymore. It's it's just going to be weird for a few months.
1: I know, but you remember over this summer when it like seemed like it was getting back to normal, <laughs> yeah. like there was that glimmer of hope. Like you went to a restaurant a couple times, and and it, then it, it
0: just all. Yeah, it was a total peanuts, Lucy taking the football away from Charlie Brown moment.
1: I know, because I was certain probably like in June, like I was certain like, oh, I'm going to go back to work in September. Like, definitely. Okay, and then I was like, definitely
0: October. Definitely November. (laughs) Okay, definitely January. I I had the same trains of thought. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be last on that list to get the vaccine. Like. (laughs) <laughs> I, I have no right. no pre-existing conditions i'm not I, i'm i'm in radio i'm not i'm not essential by any stretch of the imagination <laughs>
1: you're not over 65 no yeah so
0: yeah right. i'll be that guy come november uh, i'll be <laughs> clearing out my halloween decorations in time to get my vaccine i get you yeah. This is just this is just where we're at right now. So this virtual comedy series that again it's a Zany's thing. It's happening on the 23rd. Uh this is it's interesting. Uh, tickets, general admission, ten dollars, twenty-five dollars for VIP. What does that mean? What does VIP you know access know you?
1: <laughs> you would have to ask Zanies. I have no idea. I don't know if that's like backstage stuff. Like I do not know what all access you have with the, the added $15 charge. So maybe there's, maybe there's um, a meet and um, greet after
0: the show. People can meet you in a private suit. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's how I would play it. There's a breakout room with Erica and you can talk. No,
1: my God. No, that's horrible. I, yeah, I really, I saw that and I was confused because then I was like, are they allowing people in the showroom? Like, Cause I was like, I I don't know why I was just totally confused by the VIP. So I really don't know. Did you watch it last month?
0: I didn't. And uh, then the I didn't see the New Year's Eve thing that uh, Calvin yeah. did. I, the the New Year's Eve got away from me.
1: <laughs> did you get drunk?
0: I, I, I. It was it was a heck of a night.
1: <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> All right, I get that. I get you. So all right, so this is happening on the twenty third. Uh, you can buy tickets obviously in advance. Um, that's yeah. Um, you know Chicago. You're, you're, Chicago is so very much a part of your act. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you pinpoint it down to intersections and locations. <laughs> it's it, it's interesting. I mean, I, as a Chicago area person, I, I really appreciate what you do. You've mentioned Wrigleyville. You do this great bit about going to a lesbian bar. Um, and how revelatory the the experience is I, you mentioned you mentioned Wrigleyville Wrigleyville is somehow worse than you described in that original act it, it that it keeps getting worse, doesn't it it is it's like
1: i used to it's so funny when I was like nineteen and twenty, my whole dream was to live there, like I was like, oh, it would be so cool to be like. To go outside and get drunk and walk home you know and it was like the place that we would like sneak with our fake id like you know oh my it, it God. like
0: division street to me <laughs> we, when i was when That's i was underage we we would get drunk yeah, that
1: was the best place in the world
0: we'd have our fake ids and we'd go the only place that was a sure thing for getting in with a fake id uh back then was exodus which was a reggae club uh, yes, I remember. Right. Yeah, on the far south end of that drag on Clark Street, occasionally yeah. we could get into Wild Hair, but Exodus was the place. And you know, we were <laughs> we were underage, so we thought it was cool to do shots of rum. That's what we did when we were underage. Like, we're at a reggae. They drink rum in Jamaica, so that maybe that's what we should do when we're at Exodus. Right. And I just remember, like, just a bunch of shithead kids from the north suburbs coming
1: mm-hmm.
0: in, and in like. It was kind of sketchy then, too. Like, we should have been vomit dead. Everywhere. Vomit everywhere. But, <laughs> but, but, I mean, back back when I was really young and I started going to concerts at the then Cabaret Metro, I mean, Wrigleyville mm-hmm. had an element of danger to it. It wasn't exactly a place where mm-hmm. people feel great about dropping their kids off, especially pre-cell phone. Um, but now <laughs> it's just... It, it's kind of... It's just gross. It's just... It is. It's so... But yeah, it's, oh, it's like, oh, I can't
1: even, explain. like I used to go to, this place. Do you, did you ever go to John Barleycorn?
0: A couple times. The, that was never my choice. That's a, that's a place you go on someone's suggestion that if you're the one making that call, you're an asshole. <laughs>
1: yeah. But yeah, John Barleycorn and Mullins and all those places. I, I don't know. It just, I, I used to do IO, which, you know, it's like right. Do you remember I.O. and Of course, of course. Yeah, so I used to um, do that. I started classes like in my late 20s. And so like after every class, everyone would go out to like Wrigleyville. And like, I just started, like that was my beginning of my hatred to it. Because it kept me like, like, I want to go to a bar and just drink. I don't want to see like two girls fighting with no shoes on and then someone's throwing up. Like I just... I want to see a date rape happening like i just i just want to like drink a drink and just talk like yeah and that's how every like wrigley bill bar is like you're like did i just see a crime like i know i think i did
0: <laughs> so- hey, you, you spent a lot of your childhood in the bucolic north <laughs> suburb of lake forest I and mean, that's as far detached yes. from wrigley as imaginable <laughs> yes I mean that was always one of those suburbs. I, I just assumed I never really ventured too far in there. I just assumed there was like a protective force field <laughs> keeping everyone under a cer- certain income level out.
1: Yes, it is very. It is weird. I had um, I had a lot of friends who you know who I'm still friends with now who are like these. Re- it, it's it's one of those places. It's just like um, people are very very snobby. Or they're very down it's a weird thing like I have two friends who are probably the wealthiest people I've ever met in my life, but they're like the very like Bill Gates people like where they drive old cars and you never know <laughs> you know what I mean like they're very hush hush about their money and then I have like these super fancy friends who are re- like it's just a it's a weird very wealthy very To themselves, town. There's not a lot of Karens there, you know. (laughs) Can
0: can we all agree Um, that the Karen thing is done? Can we move past that?
1: Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's a very quiet town. People keep to themselves a lot. Um, I don't know. It was. It was not bad. I mean, obviously, it's a beautiful place to grow up. But uh, yeah, it was not as bad as it probably could have been. But I do realize who I'm related to. So,
0: <laughs> well, all right, let's talk about that. You know, i in in the past couple of years, I've had people like Lily Winwood, Steve Winwood's daughter, uh, Calico uh-huh. Cooper, uh, Alice Cooper's daughter, Ian ooh, Zander, ooh. Robin Zander of Cheap Trick's son, on this podcast, and all of them, kids of famous people, and in, in each of those cases, their DNA got them attention, got them noticed, got people looking, but once you get that attention, you actually have to deliver beyond that. The name will only right. carry you so far. And you are the daughter of Mr. T.
1: Uh-huh. Uh,
0: your, your last name's not T, which I find strange. And, <laughs> but, and the, I, I I normally feel weird bringing up famous parentage in interviews, but I mean, it's part of your act.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and people are always surprised that Mr. T is yes. your your dad. I think,
1: I think that... um. I don't know. And it's like, I've had a million responses to that. And sometimes I've said it in jokes, but it's like, I don't know what people, I don't think people think he had kids. And then when they think about him having kids, I think that they think I should look different. Like I should have a mohawk
0: and like a ripped up shirt. (laughs) And the jewelry, the chains.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like tons of jewelry. I don't know what they expect, um, but I'm not what they expect. So, um, but it's like, it's like, yeah, I always, I used to, when I first started, the only joke I ever had was about my dad. Um, and then I, I kind of built up stuff and then sometimes I put it in my act. Sometimes I wouldn't, I, if I do now, I try, I tend to put it at the end of my act. Um, just in case, like, cause I never I've, I've had people be like, "Well, they just liked you because of who you're related to," or, or like stuff like that. So I always wanted to kind of like be like, if I didn't say that, or if I did all my jokes and did that at the very end, you know, like I just wanted it just to be an added bonus yeah. or uh, like because it's like there's only so many I can I can tell it shit about my dad, but like I don't wanna be just his daughter and telling stories, you know, like. Yeah, so uh, so, yeah, but it's definitely like I don't run away from it. Like if someone brings it up or
0: like, yeah, I'll definitely make jokes about it because it's, crazy. To be fair, it's fair, weird, my dad, to be fair, you know. brought it up. You, you led me there. You, <laughs> th- that wasn't me. That you, you...
1: Yeah, no, You. I, mean, oh, I know. Yes, I've never afraid to bring it up or talk about it yet.
0: So no, here I'm you are. As a kid, you're you're growing up in bucolic Lake Forest. You're growing up with this super famous father. How did you rebel? Did you have a rebellious period, or is, is stand-up comedy your rebellion?
1: I think stand-up comedy is. <laughs> um, It was like my my. In all honesty, I know people think that like growing up, my I had um like parents who grew up in the seventies. So they're kind of cool weed smoking drinking i think people think my dad is like at church seven days a week <laughs> um but he's a drinker and a smoker and a partier and a like a have funner so my parents were actually like cooler than i was. like when i was a teenager i was lame like i was lame i <laughs> i didn't do much i didn't like until i was probably like a senior and then i was like the only way would vote rebel was like skipping school or like I threw a party when my parents were out of town stuff like that. But in general, like drinking or smoking, if they caught that, they wouldn't have
0: it wouldn't have done anything. <laughs> yeah, it's so. tough. It's tough when, yeah, you've got your dad who's you know, hanging out with Hulk Hogan. And, yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, by the way, how are you feeling about Uncle Hulk these days?
1: I, you know what you, I met him. I used to see him obviously a lot when I was a kid, he was always, and it's so weird. Cause I never want to be like, cause everyone's like, oh, he's racist or he's an asshole now. But he was always like the nicest person in the world. Like the absolute nicest person in the world to me and my older sister, like, um, and his wife at the time, like, uh, Linda, I think is her name. He was always like really, really nice. Like we would go on vacation with him. So, <laughs> so it's always like it wasn't like uh, like they were putting on airs or like a front. Like they were actually friends. So, and um, so it was funny because I never knew this, but my mom said that they met at the premiere of uh, Rocky Three because Hulk Hogan's in Rocky, but yeah, yeah. he's Thunderous. Yeah, but they didn't film the same day, so my dad was like, "Oh, I bet he doesn't know who I am," and my mom's like, "I think he does. I think I, like go over there." So my mom said, "You know, they start talking and they became friends." And um, but yeah, so he was always yeah really nice, and we went out of town with him a lot. So yeah, I I always have positive yeah. positive and a couple crazy memories with a uh, Hawk Hogan. Oh. <laughs> Some crazy, like I, I was a kid with my sister, and uh, it was after WrestleMania, and my dad and Hulk Hogan were doing a tag team against like Roddy Ryder Piper.
0: Yes. This is and legendary I, so, stuff. This is iconic <laughs> stuff right here.
1: And I forgot who the other, who Roddy Ryder Piper's partner was, but maybe Paul Orndorff could that have been it? Maybe because uh, Roddy Ryder Piper broke my dad's rib for real. my dad had to go to the emergency you you know because it's all whatever stunts and but he broke my dad's rib for real my dad had to go to the emergency room and uh, when he came back he came back my dad came back from the hospital Hulk Hogan was so mad like I'm gonna fuck him up I'm gonna fuck him up for you T and it was like oh man this really big man is really mad and then Rowdy Rowdy Piper knocked on the door our hotel door to be like I'm really sorry T about what happened and Hulk Hogan was like get the fuck out of here like it was like crazy like and I just remember being like oh my god because uh Hulk Hogan's like six 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 seven oh, yeah. my my dad is like my dad is like five nine five ten so it was like you can't really stop Hulk Hogan from No. <laughs> uh, my dad was
0: trying to be like oh calm down calm down
1: it was just like yeah so uh um, the thing about hulk i mean there was
0: some crazy go ahead huh
1: no Uh, no i wasn't saying
0: anything yeah i mean you're talking about the 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 size and magnitude of hulk hogan i mean back when he was ascendant i mean even before wrestlemania when we saw him in, in the rocky movie just the idea of him was so much bigger than. Than him just here's this giant <laughs> of a man with these giant arms like he, he he was like the superhero that you got to glimpse right with the
1: blonde hair and <laughs> oh yeah
0: and then you know pairing him with your dad at that wrestlemania it was paul orndorff by the way i did did the quick google Did you? <laughs> <laughs> iconic stuff so i mean yes. you, you went a, a decidedly non-show business route You went went into education at what point mm-hmm. did you decide yeah, I've got stuff to say, and I want to say it in front of a crowd.
1: I um, I kind of always wanted to do it like like um, I knew I like I like teaching people and I was like teaching kids. I always wanted to do comedy. I just didn't um, it's hard. It seems stupid now, but I just never thought stand up comedy. I thought like improv or like movies, stuff like getting into it that way. So that's why I started off with improv. Improv was fun um, until it wasn't (laughs) anymore. Like the zip, zap, zop. I was kind of like, and it's really hard to like, you know, collaborate with like 10 other people. So I kind of, on a whim, I just did an open mic once to be kind of like, if I like that. Like to me, stand-up comedy and teaching is like pretty much the same thing. I'm, I'm still trying to get them to laugh. I'm still trying to like get them to learn something or like at least enjoy
0: what I'm saying. Like, you know, you you know what your act is, but you also have the flexibility to pivot based on the crowd response.
1: Yes. Yeah. And so I always like, um, it was always easy for me to do. I kind of always, I, when I first started, I stuck with stuff that I knew was true that happened to me, you know? And it was like, I learned to like, kind of, uh, whittle those stories down so I could tell the joke quicker and, and, you know, things like that. And then I started taking stuff from work and I started using material from like my friends and things like that. So um I kind of just built it from there. So like to me, teaching and up was like kind of the same thing. Since, I that. <laughs> Yeah. And there's yeah. so many teachers who are
0: comedians or so many comedians who are teachers. I can see that. It- my perception of standup comics by and large is these are people whose act, whose, whose humor, timing, everything is born of misery, fucked up childhoods, <laughs> trauma. I, I, I watch you on stage and there, there's such a cheerfulness to what you do. I mean, it, it's like, it's almost like this cons- conspiratorial thing where you're laughing with the audience and it,
1: yeah, I because I never wanted to be, and I know there's a lot of comics, and it's like, okay, so this is super stupid, right? But I remember somebody saying this, and I can't remember who said it, but they were saying, like, there's a lot of comics like George Carlin or Robin Williams who were, like, deeply depressed and deeply saddened, right? And then there's people like Eddie Murphy who always, like, you see all of his stand-up is from a happy, cool yeah. place. Like, he's never... Even when he's talking about his drunk dad, he he's not like, oh, woe is me. Like, everything is funny to him. And I always wanted every like to sound like everything is funny to me. Like, do does that make sense? Like, I, oh, yeah. I didn't want to be too heavy. Like, cause I like I love Dave Chappelle, but it's obvious that there's like a lot of issues and like stuff that he thinks about and writes out. He's just able to make a joke about it. I just always wanted to be in a good mood when. I'm writing jokes, or I don't know why. Because I, I, just figure I don't want to spend my whole career being depressed. Like, <laughs>
0: like I don't want to have to be depressed to be a good comic. So then, was Eddie was Eddie Murphy one one of those people who kind of lit the spark for you? Like you saw him on stage and said, oh, "I, I think that's how that's why." Um, I
1: mean. yeah. But I, I saw it. Well. I I always liked Eddie Murphy and I used to love it that he made fun of my dad and I just, I
0: thought he was really funny. I, I didn't even but piece I, that I, together. I, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I always, um, I thought it was like a, a, a man thing. I thought like men did it for real. And like every time I seen a woman do it, I thought like, like, I just remember seeing, like, Paula Poundstone on some, like, <laughs> comic And I was like, she's not funny to me. And then I saw, like, some other comics, and it's, like, Rita Rudner. And I, I would just... And it was another... Uh, Grace... Um, from Grace Under Fire. Like, I remember seeing this, like, female comic show, like, on HBO, and I just hated it. And then I saw Roseanne once. And, like, Roseanne changed my... It's, like no female comic I ever heard talk like that. Like she'd say stuff like suck my dick. And, you know, she talked about fucking her husband. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, cause that's how my mom talks, you know? And that's how she jokes. And so it was like, I was like, man, I've never heard like a woman talk like that on stage. Like, you know, and I know there was other comics before her who were like dirty or who said, dirty things but she said it with such like emphasis and then um so I always like I wanted to be Roseanne pretty much when I like that was the person that lit the spark like she looked comfortable on stage and she's like fat and she's just got like a button-down shirt on and like she just is super honest super straightforward like now she's crazy now she's batshit crazy with a macadamia nut farm but like then like prior to her getting the show I thought she was the like, greatest person that I ever seen on stage like
0: and, and you hit on it I mean being comfortable in your own skin with who you are and the stories yeah. you're telling it's a hard place for a lot of comics to get to Yeah, it's it a great inspiration
1: yeah so she was yeah she's big for me I watch her every single night I had a streak for like 27 years of watching Roseanne every single night <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> oh my
1: god I know. <laughs> that's disturbing i know
0: <laughs> but I, I, you know some of the comics we're talking about are storytellers you are a storyteller on stage you're yeah. not. you're not just punchline 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 i mean you it, I, I i'm going to use the word conspiratorial again there's almost like a bringing people into this experience along with you which i really I oh, appreciate your, you. your delivery and the way you, you construct these stories and some of the punchlines <laughs> just cold cock you're like oh but didn't see that one coming. that's that's fantastic oh thank you i definitely love your act and um you will be part of this series it it kicks off on saturday god all the dates and days are they don't mean anything to me anymore i don't know (laughs) i don't know where i am what day it is do you know
1: all day today i thought it was wednesday i thought it was wednesday
0: (laughs) well here's i I don't know i I took three days off of work this week I, I have I have no idea where I am or what I'm doing right now. It's, it's Thursday, which is great news. But I yeah, like right. you, I, I kind of thought it was Wednesday for a big chunk of today. Right. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is Saturday. Saturday, mm-hmm. you are performing mm-hmm. as part of this awesome virtual comedy series that Zanies is doing. I, you know, it. I, I keep coming back to this thought or, or concept uh, during the pandemic. I love to see. In spite of this shit hand we've all been dealt with the pandemic, I like seeing creatives and the creative community finding new ways to do old things. Yeah, right. Is it is it perfect doing something virtually instead of being in a, a sweaty club, two drink minimum, people on top of each other <laughs> laughing? No, but this no. is this is the way we have to do it now, and we're going to make it awesome. Right, and I, I yes. think this is really cool. Yes, it is. Um,
1: it is very cool. It is also. I'm very nervous about it too, to be honest with you. And not because of the show. If it was, if I had been doing it, it's just like, you know, obviously every show was canceled at the beginning of the pandemic. And then they started coming back in the summertime. So I felt like I was kind of getting my rhythm back on stage. And like, I'd written a ton of material, which it's, it's very hard to test out material like at a zoom show, you know, cause yeah. everyone's like, yay, you know, it's just like, I don't know if that was funny or not, but so I was feeling better about my material. Then everything shut down again in October. And so it's like, I've been on stage probably like twice since October. And so it's, like, I, I'm honest to God, like nervous about just like uh you kind of because you want to find that rhythm relatively yeah. quickly. <laughs> you don't want to be like, oh, the first five minutes of her set was awful, <laughs> but she kind of got it. Yeah, you it, know.
0: it took her a while. We finally got there. Yeah, I laughed a little bit.
1: <laughs> I <laughs> know. It's, it's like, I don't want that. But yeah, no, we, kinda, we
0: all everyone in the creative community needs that momentum, that that right. Uh, constant movement and, and carrying things forward and it, it's hard to to get there i'm i have no i under i appreciate the fact that you are nervous you're gonna be awesome no don't say. <laughs> that's what i worry about i mean
1: i just um yeah i just i always should be like i just want to make people laugh i just hope hope one thing makes someone giggle and forget about whatever they're going through whatever shitty day that they're having
0: Okay, here's the thing. You, you've been making me laugh and you're not doing your act. So no. it, it actually, if you're, if you're actually doing your act, I think you'll be fine.
1: No worries. See, you have to laugh. We're one-on-one. I, we're I not on have one. to laugh.
0: There's nothing worse than a radio or podcast host who has an ingenuous laugh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the fucking worst. It, it is so solicitous and, and smarmy. Right. And, and, no. I'm legitimately amused and i appreciate oh, you oh, all right you. so eric and nicole clark the laugh more virtual comedy series it is happening on saturday january 23rd we're recording this on thursday january 21st this is just a, a just to set this information in my head moving forward uh <laughs> tickets are ten dollars the show time is eight o'clock p.m central but you know if you're watching in istanbul or belize uh central time you can watch from anywhere um <laughs> 8 o'clock, $25 for VIP access. It is so exciting. We don't even know what it is, but I'm sure it involves some sort of access <laughs> to the performers. Yeah, I mean, it's VIP. Right. I would hope so. Right. Yes. Do you think back in the day when your dad and Hulk Hogan were rolling VIP, like it was just <laughs> like Sodom and Gomorrah?
1: Probably. Pro- it's weird, though, because it's like, I, def- I don't know. I saw them as like, Two people, um, they they acted like two like, long-lost brothers when we saw them, but it's like, right, I don't know how they're acting when me and my sister and my mom are gone. They're probably like strippers and <laughs> cocaine and all sorts of shit going on. But um, <clears throat> yeah, because it's weird. They're still friends now, and I couldn't even imagine what they talk about.
0: It sounds to me like this was a, a tremendous missed opportunity for a buddy comedy.
1: The two I know, right. right hulk and t yeah
0: he's the toughest nail chicago and he's the bleach blonde californian <laughs> different worlds but they come together to fight crime
1: right yeah um <laughs> uh, yeah
0: but they because they they have the same agent you know yeah they're very close all right so eric and nicole clark I, you're very funny we're gonna see you at the sanies thing oh. uh, thank you so much for doing yet another zoom today no problem i look forward to all the zooms i have i hope to see you or not see you but i hope you're
1: you buy a ticket on saturday
0: yep the, the name pops up down. under participants <laughs> see, the, see the name roll in
1: I'll just click on, see the chat
0: like, oh my muted. god she's terrible oh. <laughs> yeah this sucks I'm re-watching tiger king <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for doing this.
1: Um, Thank you so much. I had such a good time.